Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Y'all want me going gazing into the 2024 election crystal ball, so I'm going to do that. If the Supreme Court says it, does it make it true? MSNBC wants you to believe that the experts should determine which books your child reads or something like that. I'm Andrew Coppins, and it's time for Truth or Fiction on this Tuesday edition of Critical Thinking. That's right, folks. It is Truth or Fiction Tuesday. Do not forget, you can follow me on social media. I am at The Coppin Show. You can find me all over the place there. You can make sure that you are subscribing, following, whatever your favorite podcasting platform uh, wants you to do. And by the way, Google Podcasts are going away very, very shortly. So if you're somebody who's listening via that platform, you're going to have to find another one. Uh, I suggest the Apple podcast is probably the best out there. I haven't seen one that's been better, uh, but Spotify is a really good option as well. I like what they have to offer. Um, so you can go to those two directions. Simply listening to this program helps us. It helps expose us. It helps make our case to advertisers, to people who want to be involved in the show. You guys don't have to spend a dollar to do that. Do not forget, you can also watch the show on X or on Rumble. That's right, I'm at The Coppin Show on X. And on Rumble, it is simply rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Make sure you are subscribed so that you can see the show every single Monday through Friday. With that out of the way, it is time for Truth or Fiction Tuesday. And we have a couple of listener slash behind the scenes worker submissions today. So thanks to Pat Oni, uh, who is still out on paternity leave. Uh, Pat Oni had the following to say for my first truth or fiction of the day, truth or fiction, Joe Biden will win re-election. Truth. What evidence suggests that Donald Trump is going to win? What evidence? The pissed off MAGA forever base, the 
91 indictments, and if he gets uh, another one, it's a problem. So here, here's the rub on all of this, right? If I'm looking at this from the perspective of how does Donald Trump win this election, okay? He has to overcome those 91 counts that are against him and hope to God that none of them stick and hope to God that he's not sitting in a jail cell being a quote-unquote elected of official but actually not being able to fulfill the duties of the office, Then he also has to overcome lawfare from the multiple secretaries of state who have already tried to play the game of disqualifying him from the primary ballot, let alone the general election ballot. Y'all don't think that more and more of blue state individuals are going to attempt to do this or red or purple states with blue state secretary of states, because that's happening all over this country too, by the way, because y'all don't want to pay attention to your own backyard. Okay, how about this? Well, well, what if the Supreme Court says you can't disqualify him vis-a-vis the 14th Amendment? I'm going to get into part of this in another section of Truth or Fiction, but... Are you or are you not the same people today on X right now, uh, Tuesday, January 23rd, year of our Lord 2024, pissed off about SCOTUS going ahead and saying that the federal government vis-a-vis the Border Patrol has every right to cut down the barbed wire fencing, the 30 miles of it that Texas as a state has put up, not at the behest of the federal government, but because of the federal government? Are you the same people that say defy, defy, defy? Why wouldn't they be able to defy this? If you get to the Supreme Court and they say, yeah, no, that's not really what the 14th Amendment says. Um, Obey us. Don't you think through that? Now, furthermore, I ask another question. What issue will Trump energize the base on exactly? Could it be immigration? He's got a pretty bad track record when it comes to this issue. And almost every issue. He's got a really bad track record of saying what he means and meaning what he says. We can talk about Mexico is going to pay for the wall. We can talk about lock her up. <laughs> Just kidding. I can go on and on and on. But what issue is going to turn the base out, which is going to get into another truth or fiction as well? Ask me that. Riddle me that. What evidence do you have of that existing anywhere since 2020? Yes, it is true that Donald Trump in 2020 got the most votes of any incumbent president in the history of the United States of America. Well, guess what? America continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. So that's a statistical probability over time. He still lost. Allegedly. We'll get into that in just a second. But ever since that 2020 election, let me ask you a very simple question. What issue has made us 
on the more conservative, libertarian side of things, whatever you want to say, come out and vote for Team GOP. I'll wait. The answer is there's no evidence of it. In fact, there's a significant amount of evidence to suggest that Trump, his cronies in the Republican National Conference, and let's not forget the Republican National Committee. Let us not forget Donald Trump is the Republican Party. He has all of the people that he wants in place, in place. Ronald McDaniel was his hand-picked, well, he inherited, right. And then when they had the chance to get rid of Ronald McDaniel, who was allegedly a failure, what happened? Absolutely nothing. In fact, Trump makes some phone calls and puts Ronald McDaniel back in place. Can we talk about every special election that has happened since then? How about the most recent one? I believe it was in Florida. I believe that was the case. Don't quote me on that, but either way, this was a district that went plus 11 in the last election. Plus 11. Lost by four in a special election. The, what in this world has changed that would make that happen other than y'all said, nah, thank you. How about the Georgia Senate runoff and special election? You didn't want to turn out for the dog crap Herschel Walker candidate who was whom's favorite candidate, Donald John Trump. So what evidence suggests that Donald Trump has a voter base that is activated, motivated, and is going to the polls in larger numbers than ever before. Oh, how is he doing with independence? How is he doing when actual results are put onto the ground? Yes, he won Iowa significantly. You know who he won? His base. Significantly. He won the 65 and older rural Iowa crowd. Does that win you an election in Wisconsin? Does that win you an election in Michigan or Georgia or Nevada or Arizona? No, it hasn't and it won't. That's the reality of this. Furthermore, what about mail-out balloting, ballot harvesting? Are those still things that he has to overcome? Absolutely they are. And whose favorite with that crowd is Joe Biden. Is the RNC doing anything to stop mail-out balloting or ballot harvesting? By and large, no. In fact, I would suggest the right game plan is to ballot harvest yourself. Is the RNC really organized in doing any of that? Well, if you listen to yesterday's show, we just had Charlie Kirk tell us it's the RNC's fault if um, they lose because they have to do all of that work themselves and the RNC isn't doing any of it. So it's really going to be the RNC if Donald Trump loses. So I have to think that it's true that Joe Biden is going to win re-election because there is no physical evidence that suggests that anything has changed since 2020 and what took place there. From the cheating, from the realities on the ground, from Donald Trump's base. In fact, Donald Trump's base is smaller today than it was before. Is there something in the mix, unless there's an October surprise or something changed, 
between here and what, 287-ish days, Donald Trump is not going to win. All right, so that actually brings me to truth or fiction point number two, uh, courtesy of Padoni as well. The turnout for the 2024 election will be a record low. Here's the reality of this. This is likely to be false. I believe that we are likely to see much lower turnout. And here's why I think it's going to be false, because as a percentage the voter turnout in America, okay, in the 2020 general election was about 48 or so percent, 49-ish percent. It got close to 50%, which was an all-time record as a percentage of the population. That's the reality here. As a percentage of the population, it was almost 50%. We have never ever had it as a percentage of the population that high. It is significantly higher. Now, does that mean that we are likely to see a modern record low? I think that could be a possibility, but that would mean we would have to be at about 35% of the total population as a share of the population, okay? I'm not sure we're going to get there. That's why I think this is going to be fiction. The historical trend from about 1912's election, which was it, where we sat at about 14, 15-ish, somewhere in there, percent of the share of the population, has been steadily increasing to the point where in 1940, I want to say, Somewhere in there, 30, yes, 1940 or 42, okay? When we take a look at the presidential elections that are out there, it's a steady climb upwards as a share of the population. I don't know how else you can look at it and say, well, vote totals matter. Well, right, except for your, that's a statistical dead name because we're, already growing as a population, we continue to grow, not regress as a population and an eligible population to vote, mind you, nonetheless. But I will say this, we are very, very, very much likely to see a significant decline in that share of the population voting in this election. All of the evidence points to even the GOP not really caring about their own primary, right? I mean, think about this. As a society, as the engaged and enraged base after COVID, right? We couldn't be bothered to hold those to account in 2022 that did the COVID lockdowns to us, which was the first major election after COVID. So what, were, what are we going to be doing? We couldn't be activated enough to show up in good enough numbers. The, the aftermath of 2022 suggests that it was apathy and crap candidates, but really apathy that did us in. Did anything change? All we did was pass the lockdown baton to the 
fourth leg of the race, if you will, in Joe Biden, right? We never in 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023 special elections, 2024, are we ever going to have that reckoning? If you can't stand up for your liberty, if you can't get activated to vote against those candidates who want to take that away from you, when are you going to be activated? Furthermore, Iowa, the first in the nation caucuses, pretty much record low, right? And maybe that's where this idea is coming from. But that is an internalized situation. Now, the only way that I believe that this is going to be a record low or won't be a massive decline, let's be, let me put it this way. I don't believe it's going to be a record low. I think we're going to see a massive decline. But the only way I see this either increasing or we have um, a small decline instead of a major decline is if something strange happens, something drastic, like a major issue at the border. Because even now, when we have the crisis that we do have, we've done nothing. We've demanded really nothing of anybody. Sure, you might be hot under the collar at SCOTUS, and again, we're going to get into that in a bit. But what are you doing about it? Maybe Biden is not controlling the narrative. Maybe the stock market tanks. The housing market bottoms up, and by the way, that or bottoms out, and that's just not going to happen. Flat out, that ain't happening. Unless something drastic happens with the economy or with immigration or, God forbid, to Joe Biden prior to this election. Because we're, I still can, yeah, that would suck to watch a president die in office, right? Yeah, that would suck. Period, point blank, whether I agree or disagree, that, that's, that, that, is a, that is a sad thing. And if we want to dehumanize the president of the United States that much, you're a pretty terrible human being, too. But unless one of those three things, whether the crisis on the southern border or the northern border, something drastic happens like a terrorist attack at the border or by somebody who was led into this country, by this administration's malfeasance, unless something drastic happens, because right now the situation, while getting worse, nobody's really demanding anything. Now, I also haven't even taken into the factor that we've got 80-year-old town, 80-year-old crime happening. I mean, uh, an election amongst 80-year-olds. Not really going to activate a bunch of people either. No. So we're likely to not see an increase, but I don't think we can say that we have record low participation. I think we're going to see maybe since the 2000 election a low. That could be the case. Maybe that's where we could kind of cut the cut it off at. But overall, I don't know how you can say that with a straight face, that this is going to be a record low. A record low compared to what is a much better question, and I, I just don't see it. All right, so I think I've established well enough what I believe about the 2024 election. I think the numbers... The evidence that's in front of us, 287 days or 286 days, whatever it is in front of us, there's not enough to suggest that Donald Trump has a path to real victory here. 
There's also not enough evidence to suggest we're going to see record low. We could see maybe some sort of modern election low. I feel like the geriatric on geriatric situation is the driver of a lot of that. So that being said, before we get into my truth or fictions, it is a good time to remind you to get a fresh cup, a pound, whatever you would like to get of coffee brand coffee from coffeebrandcoffee.com. Enter the promo code critical thinker at checkout. Get yourself coffee from people who want to care about, do care about and only care about High-quality, well-meaning coffee. Just fantastic blends, really great flavors. Go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 10% off of your purchase today. Give them a try. See if you like it. You can always sign up for a subscription at another time. Um, But I do recommend trying flavors like the bourbon. They have a really good dark roast as well if you're into that. Uh, So go check that out over at coffeebrandcoffee.com. Enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout. Again, that is promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 10% off of your purchase today. All right, so let's go ahead and get in to my uh, first truth or fiction. My first of the truth or fictions is a Supreme Court ruling is final. There's nothing that can be done truth or fiction. Simply put, this is absolute fiction. Yet, I find it amazing how when both sides, okay, do this. Roe v. Wade, settled law, except for no. And then, well, we didn't like the decision from Amy Coney Barrett or Amy Barrett, and we didn't like this and we didn't like that, right? The Texas SCOTUS decision. Amy Barrett, Chief Justice John Roberts, right? They side with the liberals on the court saying the feds have every right to take down the barbed wire fencing that the state of Texas has been putting up. Not that they contracted the people in the state of Texas or contracted the state of Texas to help them erratic or erect uh, the barbed wire fencing or anything like that, right? My, meanwhile, Customs and Border Patrol, right, are literally snipping the 30-some-odd miles of barbed wire that Texas has been putting up as a deterrent. Now, here's the rub with this. It was an emergency ruling. It was not a go-before, SCOTUS, have them ask your questions, come up with an answer in six months. They just said, no, Texas, you can't do it. We have no idea what the rationale was. We have no idea. There's a lot of people that are smarter than me on the Constitution that suggest both things could be true, that, number one, the feds are the ones that are supposed to be controlling this, and if you just allow a state to do whatever the hell it wants on the national border, uh, you've got chaos. But you also have people saying, yeah, but... um, Take a look at the words in the Constitution and what part of the Constitution is the government upholding? I don't know the rationale, and we won't know the rationale behind the Texas decision. But many on the right, while 
yes, mad about it. There are some who suggest, well, well, what else are we supposed to do? We've got to listen to the court. Then there's the group who says, damn the court, do what we want. And it is a very large struggle for me because if you say that, shouldn't you intellectually say then you should just ignore anything you don't like that the Supreme Court did? What I think we have to demand is a rationale from the Supreme Court. Was there a violation of the Constitution? Was there some sort of jurisprudence and precedent that they were working with that was being violated by Texas that we don't know about? Is that what needs to be fixed by the federal government in our republic system? That said, like I said, we don't really know why they did what they did. Was it just political, right? And their open borders or whatever have you. Was it political from maybe we need to not look political, so we're going to do this with the other side of the court? Don't know. Was it looking at the Constitution, as I said before, and saying, yeah, you just can't do that at the state level without federal permission, right? Because, you know, Constitution. But... Here's the answer to the conundrum of if you say you should be able to defy this, why can't you just defy everything that you don't like? Here's the test for me. Is the decision based in good morality or not? For instance, we would look at Plessy versus Ferguson, right? We would look at all of these pieces of precedent and jurisprudence today and say, that's insane. How the hell did that even happen, right? Fair enough. But for, what, 70, 80 some odd years, it remained, quote unquote, the law of the land. Well, what changed it? Number one, it was more jurisprudence, Brown v. Board of Education, right, in Topeka, Kansas. Okay, it was that. Then it was congressional action. So, if you believe the Texas decision to be wrong, and let's say you also believe that the feds are not holding up their end of the bargain, which I would make a very strong argument they aren't when it comes to the law, the letter, and the spirit of our immigration laws and our border security. Where exactly does this leave us? Frankly, the answers are really nowhere good, if you ask me. I just have a very simple question. Is SCOTUS the end-all, be-all? No. They're not the judge. They're not, well, they are the judge. But they're not the jury. They're not the executioner of our lives. Just because they rule one way. For instance, right? 
Plessy versus Ferguson or the separate but equal stuff, right? Jim Crow laws being upheld, all that crap, right? Did that mean that that meant that I had to do that? Or could I make a stand? Could I say, yeah, nah, that's not right. That's immoral. That is against God. Because ultimately, God is that judge. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you hold a biblical worldview... It's not the Supreme Court. That's a man-made scenario in front of us. The Constitution certainly didn't make them jury and executioner. They made them judge. They're supposed to be co-equal as a branch within our government, meaning... There's a group that makes the laws. There's a group that executes the laws. There's a group that interprets the law and says, yeah, no, that's not exactly right. But this is highlighted, or at least illustrative, maybe is a better word, of the fallacy that the right has held for most of my life. We just got to get the courts, but the courts, but the courts, but the courts. The courts will be in our favor. The courts, if we pack them, if we do the right thing. And by packing them, I don't mean what Adam Schiff means. I mean putting real constitutional conservatives on the court. Okay? The fallacy on the right has been, but the courts, but the courts. It's not supposed to work that the courts will be on your side all the time. It hasn't worked, right? Hasn't worked to your political aim. Why? Because a constitutionally conservative court deals with the Constitution and not your politics. That's what we've asked them to do. And sometimes you might not like the answer. Other times you might. But that's the point of an independent, critical-thinking judiciary. But here's a harsh reality, folks. There's a fix for this. And it belongs in, okay, they said this. How do we fix it? How do we demand action for something that is harming society? Because let me tell you this. I can't go anywhere to buy almost anything without people who never were this way before begging all over the place for money. None of them actually homeless, all of them. 
migrants. Doesn't matter where you go, you see it. That's a significant change to pockets of it, right? Maybe near um, public transportation, that sort of stuff here in Chicago, right? And close to L stations and all that. I, okay, we get that. That We've seen that for the entire time I've lived here. What I haven't seen is literally today going to the, one of the grocery stores and walk up, and there are not kidding you, four separate groups of migrants begging for food with signs or begging for money for food or this, that, and everything else in between. That, that never was the case two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, even a year ago, even six months ago. Yet here we are. I say that because there's a remedy to it. It turns out that we, those of us who believe in the Constitution and the separation of powers and that states also have rights under that Republican form of government, and those rights include doing something if the federal government won't. Turns out that we suck at demanding anything of our elected officials. Turns out these people have duties to hold the unelected in check. That includes the Supreme Court. And that includes listening to the Supreme Court. Here's a great example of this, by the way. Do you think for one second when Obamacare went through, if Obamacare wasn't going to go through because it is a tax, right, the penalty, although that's now been stripped out of the legislation, let's just say that that was there and it, they ruled it, unlike what John Roberts did. They went the other way. John Roberts sided with the other side, right? Do you think for one second the legislative branch wouldn't have gone back and rewrote that and then tried to pass it again to pass constitutional muster? Yeah, damn right they would have done that. It turns out you as the, the, the elected representatives have some power here. This is an us problem as much as it is a SCOTUS problem and, a, and a, those, those nine people are not the, the end all be. You're right, they're not. But you know who's actually got us in this mess in the first place? The people we send to Washington, D.C. And that means us, by the way, because we're the ones that send them there. Furthermore, SCOTUS has gotten all sorts of crap wrong. Throughout history, we talked about it. Plessy versus Ferguson, um, all sorts of infamous decisions wrong, including Roe versus Wade, right? Reinventing some sort of constitutional right that doesn't exist that our president is getting up in front of the nation saying that does exist. No, it literally does not. If it did, the word would exist inside the Constitution. The idea that anything that SCOTUS says is set in stone should be antithetical to the DNA of every single American. They certainly have a right to tell you what might look like constitutional or unconstitutional, right? But it is upon all of the rest of us to 
demand things of our elected officials for those elected officials to act for them to do anything for us to hold them accountable so that they can hold the unaccountable the unelected bureaucrats accountable so here's the reality quit looking at the court decisions on anything as final that is never going to be the case period amen and that includes roe versus wade by the way you think the left is done fighting No, they lined up because they knew this was coming, unlike we did. Those of us on the pro-life side. Quit looking at the courts on decisions on anything that's final. We have to start demanding action from those who can correct what the courts say, right? Corrective action. The court is there to advise, basically. Hey, by the way, that's unconstitutional. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Here's what we think would be constitutional. Now, in this case, they didn't give you that wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here's what we think is constitutional to tax us, right? They didn't do that. They didn't say that to our our Congress. So what action can actually be taken here? Well, Congress can take its oversight of the Department of Homeland Security seriously for once and begin impeachment after impeachment after impeachment after impeachment after, yeah, your contract is dead. No, we're not funding this because who holds the purse strings? The House of Representatives. And who holds the House of Representatives right now in the majority? The Republican Party. Hey, guess what? Alejandro Mayorkas. Now, there are a myriad of reasons why this man should not be in charge of the Department of Homeland Security. Impeach his ass. He is refusing to uphold the very Constitution that he swore to take an oath, right, to defend. Impeach him. And oh, by the way, funding for this group and funding for this and funding for this and your job is no longer funded. Your job, your job, your job, your job. All of your jobs are no longer funded. Gone. You want to see action? You want to see change? We're going to impeach Mayorkas and Joe Biden unless you send us a candidate as the head of the Department of Homeland Security that actually has an idea on how to stem the issues at the border to actually uphold our immigration law. We're done. Furthermore, Texas as a state should sue the ever-loving bleep out of the Biden administration for failing to uphold its duty to protect the sovereignty. Now, I know that there's been arguments made that this doesn't hold water, except for it should, right? So continue. Did, did we stop climbing up the, the mountain of Roe v. Wade? Did we stop putting pro-life legislation out there? Because it eh, had precedent, right? No, we didn't. So continue to do it. And here's the reality of this, right? Texas can look at it and say, we are being overwhelmed by this administration's inability to uphold the very law. This is the rub here, Supreme Court. There is law, there is legislation that the federal government has enacted that they are refusing to uphold. Sue them. Make them uphold it. Make it by force of law. And then finally, we need to also demand not just that the elected hold the unelected accountable. We have to demand new legislation to actually deal not just with 
this problem, but how do we actually get a workable, less confusing, easier to navigate migration system into this country? Make it less of a magnet for illegals and more of a magnet for people to come here that want to be here for good, not nefarious reasons. Hire a whole bunch of people. I don't care to do these background checks, to work the system, to do whatever needs to happen. But we have got to demand three things. Texas sues, the DHS is held accountable, and we get legislation that changes the scenario that's in front of us. That is the reality, period, point blank. Now, speaking of end-all, be-alls, um, we've got to move on to my final truth or fiction. It is simply this. It is time for the quote-unquote era of the expert to be over. And you might be saying to yourself, well, what are you talking about? Well, I just talked about some of this with SCOTUS, right? This idea that, well, wh where did their authority to just say, yeah, this is it and listen to us or that's the end of it? No, they're meant to, yes, tell us about constitutionality. Yes, interpret law. They're not supposed to be making law. And instead, what we've said is, well, they're the experts on this. And so their answer is the only answer on this subject. And nip, throw your hands up. You can't do anything about it. No, 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 no on that. But the era of the experts needs to be over is a thousand percent truth. And this is something that we kind of talked about in the interview I did back in November, or well, actually back earlier this month with Aron McIntyre on an article that he wrote in November over at The Blaze talking about how our political formula used to be consent of the governed and that wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we were kind of all in this together. Same story, same team, bro. Except for that's not really been what's been going on, and I would argue that's been the by the case since the Woodrow Wilson administration, this concept that we need a managerial class, we have to manage things, they need to be managed by experts, and their say-so be done. It has to end. It's part and parcel of the attitude of this concept of what's going on with SCOTUS, right? Absolutely it is. That having been said, like I said, we've kind of hit on this in that last segment, but the reality is that our political formula has gone from representative, representative democracy, republic, all of that, right? That's been our story, liberty, right? Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. We kind of all bought in and we we're all in this one together that we all made decisions that no one was above anybody else to make these decisions unless you were in the position to have that authority granted to us or granted to you by the rest of us, right? Hence the legitimacy of the ruling class at that point. But what legitimacy exists with today's ruling class? The experts, right? Got to listen to the experts. Now, the best example comes from a discussion one that is about to get pretty graphic, by the way, between the, heads of, uh, between the head of Moms for Liberty and Joy Reid over at MSNBC. 
So I'm just going to say this to you. You're going to want to probably move the kids away if you have got kids listening to or watching this show, whether that's over on X or on Rumble, if you're watching or on podcast. So I'm going to give you a warning. And in three, two, one, here it is. Moms for Liberty, Joy Reid, talking about banning quote-unquote books in school. The question I'm asking is, what is the expertise that you have and other Moms for Liberty advocates have to decide that a book, an award-winning book like All Boys Aren't Blue, isn't oh. appropriate for students to read? What, what is a, your expertise? What a tragic story of a young man who's annually raped by his adult family member. So mm-hmm. you have incest, rape, pedophilia. Joy, you said you'd let me answer, so sure. I'm going to answer Please for do. you. Please um, do. In what context is a strap-on dildo acceptable for public school? Just let, I mean, that's my question mm-hmm. to you. Tell me what the context around the strap-on dildo or the rape of a minor child by a teacher. Hold on a second. No, no, no. no. no wait, We're hold talking on. about no, public no, no. school. One, one moment. All right. So now you've asked me questions. Sure. Well, I'm going to answer it. Okay. Well, who is the main character? What's the name of the main character in All Boys Are Blue? You're asking me right now. You just gave me very specific information about this book, so you're presenting yourself as somebody expert. It's the gentleman. Hold on. Who's the main character in the the book? The main character is the author. Who's what's his name? George, I believe, is his first name. Because you're giving me very specific information that is. You're asking me to remember the name of an author. You just remembered very specific joy. Here's my question. You're talking about track. You didn't answer my question. No, no, no. I'm going to. I'm going to answer. Great. I would love to hear that. Absolutely. Well, I'm interviewing you, and you're not interviewing me. So let's just make sure it's a conversation. Okay. Okay. Great. So. What I'm saying to you is that as you are not an expert in this book, I don't have to be an expert to know that dildos aren't appropriate for public school. I mean, this book is a full context story, as you said, of the author's experience. Why is it your right or a Moms for Liberty activist's right to say that a parent who wants their child to have access to this book, which gives a personal experience of this author? That they, the, why doesn't a liberal parent, for instance, or a parent of an LGBTQ kid, why don't they have a right for their child to just have access to this book? Why is it your right to say they can't? So, again, we're talking about incest, rape, and pedophilia. And well, each parent, no, each parent has to decide what is appropriate for their child to read. So I want you to answer. I'm going to so ask you one more a, time. Right. What is your right to tell a parent who wants their child, who might feel seen by this story, why don't oh they gosh. have the right? Why don't they have the right as a parent to say, my child can have access to this book? If a child feels seen by this story, that means that they have been uh, the victim of a predator. That means that they have either been raped by a family member. They, they- Okay, I'm going to stop it right there because I think there's a missed opportunity from Moms for Liberty. But experts, only experts on the subject of this book get to decide at some point in time parents they should have the right to say what they want to expose their kids to in ideology and other things of that nature 1000% they should but that individual right to exposing of that child to these things right it ends when you step on to school grounds and into a classroom Why do we have and still have forms, right, that you have to fill out informed consent for all sorts of things when it comes to biology, sex ed, whatever have you, right? It's informed consent. Furthermore, joy. 
Not a single person is a greater expert in their child than a parent. Not a psychologist, not somebody with a fancy degree, PhD behind their name, right? Who puts them into box ABC or XYZ, right? How many times do we have to hear stories or have already heard stories of doctors not listening to parents only to find out that the parents were right all along and they've prolonged agony, they've prolonged this, they've done this, they've done that. The missed opportunity here was to look Joy Reid in the face and say, are you suggesting that access, are you suggesting that public school access means nobody can read this book? Because that's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is that there are limits to what should be. In that case, why is Playboy not allowed? Why are why is straight up porn not allowed in the public library at a school? And we're not talking about the Chicago Public Library, where whatever, right? We're talking specifically about what is in the kids' section, let's say. Right Back in the day, they had the hidden area inside of a family video, right? Where they had naughty, naughty videos. You know who couldn't go in there? Teenagers, kids. Point of all of this is that there are limitations. Are you, Joy Reid, really suggesting to us that there are no limitations to what should and shouldn't be available? Because she does hit on the point a little bit later on where she talks about um, how there's no unfettered access to the Internet for children, right? There are limitations to what can and can't be used at on school grounds for the Internet. Now, are there ways around it? Of course, there are, and blah, 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 blah. But the exposing, the availability of this book, if you, if you look, if you're an LGBTQ parent and you want to expose your child to a book about this or something like that, is that your prerogative? I would suggest it's, depending on the age of the child, that's a pretty stupid thing to expose your child to. Let them deal with that as they get to adulthood and can handle the subject matter. Absolutely. They can make that choice for themselves. But nobody but nobody is suggesting that book is banned from any sort of access. No. No, 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 no. What's being asked is, where's the appropriate access to that book? Mom and dad want to go to Amazon and buy that book. What is stopping them? Literally nothing. Oh, it's just the free and unfettered access outside of mom and dad. So you really don't want parents to be parents' joy because you're the expert on what's good or bad for the child and the child and a guidance counselor and the child and the, the teacher know better than the parent. This is also part and parcel of our parental problem, our parental problem in this country, in which we do what? We suggest to parents that, well, I'm going to drop off my child at school, and that's their education, and that's where it stops. I'm going to drop my kid off at school because it's daycare, because mom and dad both are working out of the home. Oh, it's good daycare, so what do I care what they're exposed to, right? And, and and I don't care because teachers are good. No, teachers are just like the rest of us. Some are inherently evil. Some are inherently good. Some are kind of on the edges. Some are pretty good and make some boneheaded decisions from time to time, right? 
They're humans. They're not infallible. They don't have your student's best interest at heart. They always have their interest at heart because it's a job. At the end of the day, are they going to choose their job or your kids? The job. It's the reality. Most importantly, they're not experts in your kids. And if you think they are, y'all need to be spending some more time with your kids. And this is just but one example of how this needs to end. There's no expertise that would suggest exposing them to this is healthy, is normal, is good. And even if they could prove it, I don't care. It's still my right as a parent to figure out when's the right time, when I think is the right time, when they come to me with questions, when they come to me with these things. And it's on me to put in place a an environment in which we can have these conversations around a kitchen table or whatever have you when it's appropriate for everybody or for them, or to create the atmosphere in which they can come to me with these things and not go to a teacher, not go to somewhere else. But it goes well beyond all of that sort of stuff. It goes to this. Think about this, folks. I want you to think about this. When we take a look at our representative democracy today, right, we are supposed to do what? Elect representatives, elect senators, right, to craft legislation, to draft it, to put it together, to bring it to the president of the United States, and he is supposed to sign that legislation. That legislation is supposed to tell us what the law is about and what it's supposed to do, right? Have you ever read an actual piece of legislation lately? You will see paragraphs, you'll see sentences, paragraphs, whole pages missing in action. You will see a law written, and the only thing that it says is this, 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 this enacted and then everything else is at the discretion of whatever department of bureaucratic experts, by the way, who have never been elected by you or I in any way, shape, or form to suddenly fill in the blanks on that legislation. Take a look at that once and ask yourself, wait a second, have we already handed ourselves over to an expert class that does not have, a, oh wait, Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, yada, yada, yada. We can go on and on and on. The point of the matter is it has to stop. We have to take that control back. And that is demanding that our legislators actually legislate, actually do the things, do the work. Can they consult with experts? Can they consult with people who have knowledge in certain fields and, and things of that nature? Absolutely. But they are not the end-all, be-all. Stop seeding our expertise. Stop seeding our wants and our needs and our desires over to those people who do not represent us at all. Stop it. You want to get away from this expert managerial political formula? This is a really good way. Um, you, you, all of you in Congress, you're all gone if you don't start crafting legislation in which unless there's a very, very specific need for it, y'all put into words what you want and what we are going to be succumbed to so that we can see it for ourselves. 
instead of them filling in a blank and we have no idea what EPA regulation or what EPA rule or, or what DHS is saying or, or some unelected academic, academic in at, from Harvard or Yale or Princeton or wherever. We have no idea what they're going to say, but they're the ones that get the, no, we have to stop that. But with that, folks, I hope every one of you has a great rest of your Tuesday. Please be smart, be safe, be kind, make sure you eat all of your meals. And as always, Matthew 547.